Enough is enough, eh? Enough is enough. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to Raptors Flex Plus. I am your host, Kyle. Yeah, and welcome back after some real bad losses, man. Some real bad losses the Raptors just put forth here, man. There's no way to sugarcoat it. There's just no way to sugarcoat it. I was saying previously that this five-game stretch that we literally just went through when we had to play Orlando, Indiana, Chicago, Cleveland, Brooklyn. This was gonna be a stretch that was gonna tell us a lot about who the Raptors are, right? And I think a lot of us had a good idea of who this team was, but it was important for me to give the team not just the benefit of the doubt, but the opportunity to show us something different. Prior to that five game stretch, the Raptors have been insanely inconsistent of a team. Inconsistent. May I run it down for you again? We've been up in basketball games, giving it up in the fourth quarter. We've been down in basketball games by 20 plus on multiple occasions to bad teams, might I add. Bad teams, San Antonio, Washington, and we've come back and win. Good for us. But in reality, we probably should have never been down by 20 plus to those teams anyway. We've seen games where we've been down Big and lost big. Where we didn't have any opportunity to get back into those games, i.e. Boston, Orlando. We've seen it all so far to start the season. Like, let's keep it a buck. We've seen Scotty have just looking like he's an all-NBA player to start the year. And Pascal look like where you been at. We've seen Gary Trent Jr. have his ups and downs this year. We've seen Pascal Siakam have his up and downs this year. Dennis Schroeder has been solid, but I got some beef. I got some beef that we'll get to. We've seen Darko Ryakovic as a coach struggle in some aspects of the game, right? Because it makes a difference now when you're going from assistant coach to the lead job now right you're the man making the decisions you're the one you're the one managing situational basketball it's on you you are the one managing egos personalities men 
It's a much different gig when you're the head man in charge. Much different gig. And I'm sure any first-time NBA coach would say the same thing. But prior to this five-game stretch, we've seen inconsistent basketball consistently. We've been consistently inconsistent. Word. And I've been here talking about, yo, I want to be responsible with my approach. I want to respect the man that I'm on the team. I want to respect the fact that the coach is learning his players. Because training camp don't do you no favors, man. If training camp is literally a week, it's not doing you any favors. Preseason not doing you any real favors either. Because it's not like you have guys just going out there playing big minutes. And you don't want that in the preseason either. Right? Historically, when preseason, sorry, when training camp used to be like a month long, somewhere around there, it was much longer than it is this season. I'll tell you that. And maybe it's been this way for a few seasons now. I haven't really like paid attention to it until now. But at some point in the history of the NBA, like the recent history of the NBA, training camp was much longer than this week that we saw this year. So I took the opportunity to shoot the team a little bit of bail, right? Shoot them a little bit of bail because those things aren't doing you any favors. And I know that it takes time to implement a new offense. It takes time to understand your personnel. It takes time to understand like when I say personnel, I mean like from an X's and O's standpoint, right? What are the strengths of those players, weaknesses of those players on the court, right? But it also takes time to understand personalities on a team and managing those things as a coach. So I was shooting the Raptors some bail. Give them some time to gel. Because those things do not happen overnight. So I feel like I've taken the responsible approach rather than just being out here saying, let's trade this guy and trade that guy and sit this guy on the bench and so on and so forth. Now, I've had my times when I've been extremely frustrated with some players, right? Not to call man's out like directly, but like I thought we'd get a lot more from Jalen McDaniels. I mean, he had a somewhat of a decent stretch yesterday against... Brooklyn Nets, I believe, he hit a three that looked like he just got the catch off of the um, off of the pass, and it was just a straight catch and shoot, just right up and hit the three. Haven't seen a whole lot of that from him so far this season. But anyways, I don't want to call out guys at the end of the bench that aren't really contributing to the fact that this team is so inconsistent. You know? And in this five-game stretch now where I felt like this is an opportunity now. At the time going in there, we were, I believe, 16 games in or 14 games in, something along those lines. And I thought that these five games against teams that are generally in your area, like in your wheelhouse, in the conference, right? In your tier, in the conference. Because we've had some tough matchups early. You know, we faced 
Philly twice. We faced Boston twice. We faced Milwaukee twice. We've played Minnesota. We've played some top teams in the conference and outside of the conference. While we were learning how to gel as a team and try to develop some sort of chemistry between the players. So this five-game stretch was really important to me to understand. Can the Raptors kind of separate themselves from what they were early in the season where they were just inconsistent? We've seen them have some good games. And then we've seen them have just some terrible games. And we've seen them have, you know, some games in the middle where they've had some really good quarters, some really bad quarters. But I thought that it was time now that November was starting to dwindle down a little bit that this five game stretch, the Raptors might be able to separate themselves just a little bit and show that they can be a team that will fight for a playoff spot. Just to reiterate, when I say playoff spot, I'm talking about top six in the Eastern Conference. Sure, the Raptors can get into a play in, but as, as of things are right now, today, on November the 29th, 2023, the Raptors are 11th in the Eastern Conference at a record of 8 and 10. So two games below 500. Not the worst thing in the world. I mean, we're only two games behind Indiana, and we beat Indiana on the road. And I'm well aware that this five-game stretch that we had, four of them were road games. So it's not easy going on the road in the NBA and winning games. I get that. I get that. But enough is enough. Enough is enough. And I know that there are many Raptors fans out there that have felt enough was enough from last year when we traded for Jakob Pertl. <laughs> Let's keep it a bean, right? And then we lost our draft pick, so to speak. It's a top six protected one. But one of the problems with that is that the Raptors never chose a direction, not a clear direction in which how we wanted to go about this team for this season and beyond next season. Now, I think it's safe to assume that the Raptors thought they could compete. They thought they could compete because if they didn't, and I, when I say they, I'm talking about the front office and ownership. They thought that they could compete or else you don't make a trade like that for Jakob Pertl. And you hold on to assets like a Fred Van Fleet through the end of last season with the thought process that you're going to sign him back in the offseason. There was no completion of an extension prior to the offseason, right? Now... I may sound like a flip-flopper here, man, because I made a video, the very last video I made, episode 26, where I kind of looked at what was the state, the current state of the Toronto Raptors this season. 
And a lot of that was just based, it was kind of like reporting in a sense. It wasn't so much an opinion piece because I still haven't come out and say, what should the Raptors do moving forward? And I wanted to wait till the end of this five game stretch so that I could have a really good understanding where this team is. Giving them every opportunity to show me something just a little bit different. And at this point, the Raptors front office needs to shake things up with the personnel on the floor. And let me tell you why. All right? Let me tell you why. It may be a different reason that others may be thinking. I don't know. But I'm telling you where I'm coming from. Here it is. I believe with the current roster that we have, with the current roster that we have, Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes, Jakob Pertl, Dennis Schroeder, Gary Trent Jr., Chris Boucher, so on and so forth. OG Ananobi, so on and so forth. Okay? I believe that a veteran coach with experience being a head coach in the NBA would do much better with this roster than Darko Ryakovich is doing with this roster currently. Currently. And maybe it's unfair. Maybe, maybe it's totally unfair. And I'm just way out of pocket putting this on Darko Ryakovich. But I just do not understand how this team with Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam cannot figure out a way to get both of these gentlemen going at the same time together. Together. When the year started, we were promised this .5 offense. The ball's going to be moving. Dudes are going to get easy baskets. It's going to be a equal opportunity offense, but the ball will find the best players in the best positions to succeed. That is what we are promised as a concept. Now, obviously, there are going to be adjustments to the concept along the way, which Darko has done. But the problem is, is that even with the adjustments, with the players that we do have, we do not look like a very good offensive team. We just don't. The best part about this half-court offense that is, I guess, falls under the .5 concept is literally Jakob Pertl getting the ball in position to be successful at the rim for easy lay-ins. Like, that is it. That is literally it in the half court if we talk about the point five. 
Now, over the past two weeks, Coach has figured out a way to get Pascal Siakam going. And that's wonderful. But the problem is, is that the offense has slowed down considerably based on what we were promised from the schematics of the offense, the philosophy of the offense. Pascal's been eating in the paint. He's always done that in his career. He's not always, but once he's turned up his game and he started to be like a player that was ascending in the NBA, his back to the basket game was money. Money. Been like that. We've been talking about Pascal's spin move for the last four seasons now. Unstoppable. But what about the other players? What about the other players? And some of you have been right. Some of you have been right. It appears that with the way that the offense is executing right now, we may be sacrificing the development of Scotty Barnes. We are sacrificing the development of Scotty Barnes. When he came out to start the season and the ball was in his hands, he was killing it. His confidence was through the roof. Through the roof. When Scotty Barnes was the focal point of the offense. And while that was happening, one of my critiques was, it's beautiful that Scotty Barnes is getting going. He looks like an all-star. If he keeps up this type of pace, most improved player. Like, he was well on his way. But one of my critiques was that with Scotty Barnes playing that style of offense, you're now sticking Pascal in the corner for just spot-up threes. Spot-up threes with a guy that has been money, mid-range, not mid-range, but in the paint, down low, back to the basket, face-up game. For a long time, Pascal has been nice in that regard. And when his full complement of skills are on display, Pascal is an all-around player in the NBA. He could step out and hit the three. Now, definitely not this year at all. At all. He's one of the worst three-point shooters on this team. So I get why Darko was like, okay, well, let's take Pascal out the corner. Let's get him some easier buckets. Find those mismatches with inferior defenders on the interior. And let's get Pascal going. And it worked from that point of view. That just started looking like, okay, this is my game now, it felt like, if I'm Pascal. Like, I'm just going to work down low, work in the paint, work, work with my back to the basket. You're slowing down the offense now. You're slowing it down, and that's not helping the other players on the court. Scotty Barnes' game offensively from a scoring standpoint 
has now started to suffer because you've taken the ball out of his hands. So it's not to say that I don't think these two players can work together because we've seen certain points in, in some of the games where Scotty and Pascal get a little two-man game going, and it looks fantastic. But it's maybe one possession here in the second quarter, one possession here in the third quarter. Not enough possessions where those two players are working off of each other. And I... I get it, too, from a defensive point of view, right? Because you're probably going to have two of your better defenders guarding Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes if you're the opponent, right? So if you're working two-man game, you're not really, like, finding a mismatch now because you have, you're basically working with two of the best defenders on the other team. So I get that part. I get that part. But here's the thing. I don't get paid the big bucks to coach this team to try to find a way to get those two guys going at the same time. I don't. No lie. That is Darko's job, not mine. Not mine. And he's done a poor job at that. I hate to come on here and say man's doing poor jobs this, that, and the third at the end of November. I hate it, guys. I don't like it at all. But it needs to be done today, guy. It needs to be done. And Dennis Schroeder. I've been saying he's probably our most consistent mid-range shooter. He's looked really good when he's been offensively breaking down the point of attack and getting to the bucket. And maybe that's because we were spoiled from the years of Fred Van Fleet and Kyle Lowry where those guys had to work so hard to finish underneath the basket. And now we have a guy that's a little bit taller, a little bit more competent on the drive in terms of finishing at the hoop. That's no disrespect to Fred or Kyle, but... Those guys are better three-point shooters than Dennis Schroeder is. Those guys might be a little bit, well, at least Kyle Lowry, might be a better point guard overall than both of those players when he was in his prime. The Miami version of Kyle Lowry, very important to their team, but the amount that he's getting paid, I'm not so sure about that in Miami. I don't think they're getting the best version for their investment in the dollar-wise, right? But here's my point with Dennis Schroeder. Here's my point. The last couple off seasons, I've been saying to anybody that I've had basketball conversations with, I said, I'm like, yo, Dennis would be a proper backup point guard, yo. Let's go sign Dennis Schroeder as a backup point guard. No lie. That is something I've been saying for a while. And when we signed him this season, I said to myself, I believe that they were going to sign him as the backup. The plan was always to bring back Fred and Dennis be your backup point guard because I don't believe that they believed in Malachi Flynn. When I say they again, I mean the front office. 
And the big problem with Dennis Schroeder being in the starting lineup, now he's done some really great things. Some other folks out here believe that Dennis Schroeder has not been good. And they may have some ground to stand on. For me personally, I think Dennis Schroeder has been solid. Not great. He's been solid. But going back to the Scotty Barnes thing, this time talking about Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder is now running the show from a point guard standpoint in Toronto, which now means for Scotty Barnes that we are now taking the ball out of his hands even more because we're giving the ball more to Pascal now, sticking Scotty in the corner, and we're having Dennis run the offense. What are we doing to Scotty Barnes, yo? Because this is why I say we need to pick a direction. And the direction is that we need to shake things up in the personnel department. We need some different players in here. I've said it. I've taken a stance now. We need some different players in here. Again, I've tried to be responsible with my approach, but I feel like we have a big enough sample size now where the data, the eye test, and the results all point to this team either being a playing team or not even being in the playing with players like Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi on your team. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Darko Ryakovich has not found a way to incorporate his best players together to find the most the best production that you can out of those guys together collectively together not Scotty running with the bench unit now it's not that I have a problem with Scotty running with the bench unit I don't mind that he tried it but it's not really working though B it's not really working but we're sticking with it we know that the rotations before that first um, TV timeout, around six minutes or so, Scotty Barnes is not coming back in until either the very end of the first quarter or the beginning of the second quarter when Pascal subs out now. That is literally the rotation between those two players. I don't like it, man. I don't like it because I don't feel like we're maximizing the potential of Scotty Barnes or Pascal Siakam. The scheme is not working. It's not working for those guys. Let's keep for the buck, B. It's not working. Now, how drastic do we get? Do we try to move Dennis Schroeder to the bench? Possibly. Give that ball to Scotty. Let him run the show. Maybe bring Gary Trent Jr. in as a shooter that doesn't need the ball in his hands as much. I don't know if y'all remember. 
but I think the second video that I ever did on this channel, I talked about a projected starting lineup. And I had Dennis Schroeder coming off the bench. Now, this is prior to me totally understanding that Darko Ryakovich and Dennis Schroeder have a magnificent friendship that goes back years to OKC. But this is professional sports, man. I don't care if that's your region. You got to do what's best for the team. You got to do what's best for the team. And when we've looked at recent years, I think it was last year, I was trying to, I was trying to research this because I heard it somewhere. I heard it somewhere. And when I was trying to research it, and I think that it holds true, there was no trades in December last year in the NBA. So generally, trades don't happen until January, February. So you telling me now that based on history, we're stuck with this person now? That's not fitting together based on whatever Darko's trying to do from an offensive standpoint? We're stuck? And I hate using the word stuck. But whatever we're doing right now is not working after a month of basketball. Now I understand that there's still a lot more season left to go. A lot more season left to go. Season basically just started, bro. Basically just started. Maybe we just continue running this squad out and take our first round pick. <laughs> I'm not saying it's headed for that direction with this person. Now I think it's literally impossible to finish with a bottom six record in the NBA. But with the lottery, as long as you're in the lottery, anything can happen. And as of right now, today, we'd be a lottery team. We wouldn't even be in a playing spot. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. No corals on, on uh, OG Ananobi. I think he's been playing his role. I know that he wants an expanded role on this team. And with the way that things currently are, as a front office, you got to understand what this player, what this player wants for himself. Because OG is a professional. He's not complaining. He doesn't really talk much, but when he does talk, it's like so, you know, straightforward. It's funny sometimes, but it's very straightforward. He's like a very literal guy. But if he came out and said, like, yo, I, I believe that I could play an expanded role, he means it. But he's not getting the opportunity to do that with this team. At some point last year, OG Ananobi was looking like one of our best players when I think Pascal was out. Now, whether he can actually sustain that for the majority of the season in that little sample size that he had last year, I personally don't see it. But here's the thing, though. If you don't pay that guy, he's probably gone. He's probably opting out and gone. Like I said, I think his representation is with Clutch. 
That's Rich Paul and them, and they've been getting everybody their bread. No quarrels with OG Anobi based on the role that he's playing. All right? He's a professional. He does his job. He's one of the better defenders in the NBA. No issues there. Jakob Pertl, you're kind of up and down. You've been good recently. I seen that after you start getting exposed, when they were pulling you out from the three-point line on the, de on the defensive end, you started to kind of figure things out a little bit, and you've made those adjustments for yourself. Fantastic. My only issue with Jakob Pertl right now is that you cost us a first-round draft pick and two second-round picks. That ain't your fault. That ain't your fault at all. We needed a traditional big. We needed a traditional big. We paid a price for it, thinking that we could contend with the, the players that we have. But in the end of the day, it looks like we ain't really contending for nothing but a playing spot. Gary Trent Jr. has started to get his act together. Okay, cool. Don't know too much what everybody else's expectation was, but mine was that he'd be a solid player off the bench, our sixth man, and he started to come along. But the free throw shooting, bro, what's going on there? It's looking real sus. Real sus. And let's not just point out Gary on that. The rest of the team looks so sus. Bruh. 29th in the league in free throw percentage. 29th. There's no way this team can shoot the free throw that bad. There's no way. It's not like we're sending Jakob Pearl out there to shoot 10 free throws a night. <laughs> like, we don't do that. Pascal Siakam's down. Scotty Barnes is around where he used to be. Um, Gary Trent Jr. down. Like, yo. 29th, though? This is a consistent thing now. I'm just going to go on record and say, we're not a good free throw shooting team. We're horrible. Almost gave away the game the other night to Indiana. Almost gave that away. Then what? We'd be one and four on that stretch? Are those five games? Against the Cavs, we're missing free throws. Like, come on, dog. Come on, man. This is not good. And this is where the players need to take some accountability because the coach can't shoot the free throws for you. There's nothing that a coach can draw up to say this is how you shoot a better free throw. You got to work on that. Like, sure, you can work with the shooting coaches and stuff like that, but with the head coach, you got bigger fish to fry. Yo, go work on your free throws. Go put in some extra work after practice. Go put in some extra work after games. Like 29th is just unacceptable. Unacceptable. We're better than that. But the stats say that we're not. So sometimes numbers don't lie. And maybe that shakeup in the starting lineup is what we need, man. Because as much as I've been on here encouraging Malachi Flynn, 
bigging him up when he's had a good game. But you know what the truth is? I'm not his teammate, man. Don't, like, that should be his teammate's job, yo. I've seen enough of the inconsistency, brother. At this point, like, you're hurting the team at sometimes. Like, you, like, you need to do run the second unit, fam. Like, consistently. And maybe that's why you need Dennis coming off the bench, yo. You want to run your two-point guard lineup with the bench unit? Try it out for a couple minutes and see how it works. What? I don't know, man. I don't know. I really don't know. Outside of getting some new personnel in here and making some trades, I'm really not sure that this personnel can figure it out on the offensive end. And I think, again, that is in part to Darko Ryakovic not understanding his players' strengths and weaknesses and building enough of a scheme and strategy around them in order to help them be successful together. Not splitting them up, moving Scotty to the corner when Pascal's working, moving Pascal to the corner when Scotty's working. Like, this is just ridiculous, man. This is just ridiculous. This is what the Raptors fans are subjected to now. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And you would think with all that length that we have on this team that we'd be able to defend the three a little better. We're in the bottom third. We're 20th or I think we're 19th now based on whatever we did yesterday. But we're going into yesterday. We were the bottom third of the league defending the three. The bottom third. And if you look at some of these games, man, Tyrese Halliburton, five for 10, Buddy Heald, seven for 12. Indiana just shot the lights out on us from three. Now, I get it. They're an offensive team. They're number one offensive team in the league. But we can't have them just going off so efficiently. You got to guard it better, yo. And then you gave up the three to Beal, to, not Beal, to Buddy Heald at the end of that game. Now, I know it was deep and it was a toss-up, but the way that that guy was shooting the ball that game, I mean, wouldn't have been surprised. We got away by the hair on our chinny-chin-chin, y'all. We got away. Zach Levine shot four for eight where we busted up the Bulls. So, yeah, we went on a little two-game winning streak there. But I, I said before, I'm not, not going to say this team turned the corner until they win, like, four or five in a row against good teams or a little six of seven, you know, seven of nine, like that type of situation where you're showing consistency. No, I don't expect you with a schedule like Philly, Philly, Boston, Boston, Milwaukee, Milwaukee, like to – you know, come out and play like defense is crazy. But this five-game stretch that, that we had here, these are winnable games if for a team if you're trying to be a playoff team. The Bulls game, I ain't really tripping on that, yo. I ain't really tripping on that. And there's people out here saying how Zach Levine basically auditioning, making jokes with OG Ananobi. Listen, man, if we're making a trade, 
Do not trade for Zach Levine. I'm drawing the line on everything here today. I'm drawing the line. What are we going to do with that? What are we going to do with that? The contracts are still the same, right? OG can still bounce. Pascal can still bounce. Gary Trent Jr. can still bounce. Zach Levine plays zero defense. So you're just going to roll with Zach Levine, Scotty Barnes, and Grady Dick as your core? Grady Dick has been struggling to start the year. Struggling. Like I said the other day, this guy was like 1 for 12 in his first 905 game. And then his second 905 game, he had 21 points. But on 22 shots, bro. He was like 5 of something, 5 of 22. It was not good. Now, I'm not going to go in on the rookie. He's a young player that had the chance to turn around, and nobody has really looked good under this Darko system. So how am I going to get mad at the rookie for not looking good when really nobody has looked good for the most part? I don't want to sit here and blast the coach, man. Because, I, again, I've been consistent in saying I believe every new coach needs some, a chance to develop their system and build their program. But based on what the Raptors are signaling to us, based on those trades for, like, Jakob Pertl, signing Dennis Schroeder, you know, those types of things, keeping the core together, not trading Pascal Siakam, like, you're signaling that you think you can compete. But then you bring in a coach that you're expecting to compete while developing. But you're doing it backwards, fam. You're doing it backwards. The way that it generally works is you develop young players, right? Then you start to compete with those players while still building underneath those players now, right? And then you're kind of competing and developing at the same time. You can't be competing and then thinking that you're developing at the same time. That just generally does not work. That's not the way that it worked for the Raptors. Like I said, the cupboards in the 905 are bare. Who's our, who's our prospects? Marquise Noel, maybe, but not really. I think he needs to show me a little bit more. Like, maybe we need to bring him up. Try him out. See what's up. Because the backup point guard position right now is just crazy inconsistent. If Dennis Schroeder was my backup point guard, I would be, like, okay with that. I would be fine with that. But with Dennis Schroeder taking touches away from Scotty Barnes. Like the other night, Gary Trent Jr. had it going late in the game. And then Dennis just came up and took a bad shot. I'm like, yo, go find Gary. Gary's been like lit. A good point guard can see when there's a player going, you try to feed that player a little bit. Even if that player needs to take a heat check.
I don't know, dog. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not feeling what's going on right now. I'm not feeling what's going on right now. You know, like we are 21st in points differential. 21st. Sounds about right, based on where we are in the conference. 11th in the conference. 21st in point differential. Just to be clear, that is the amount of points that you score per game minus the points that you give up per game. So we clearly give up more points than we score. We're losing. Now you have the anomaly where the Raptors last year were one of the better player, one of the better teams in plus differential in the Eastern Conference. I think we were about six, and then we still ended up forty-one and forty-one. So it still showed how inconsistent we were. But generally, point dif point differential will tell you something about your team. I'm drawing the line, y'all. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. I don't believe that the Raptors were fired Darko Ryakovich after one bad season of basketball. I truly don't believe that. And to be honest with you, I don't even think that's fair to Darko Ryakovich. Unless we just have a total abomination of a season and we just go on like some crazy losing streaks then that could possibly be a fireball offense. But if you are signaling that you want to develop players, because, again, Darko's been talking about using the guys off the bench. Right now, we're using that 10-man rotation. And generally, I'm not one to really have a problem with that. Because... You don't want to, like, overwork your guys before you get to the playoffs, right? I kind of felt like that's what we did two years ago when we lost to Philly um, in the 4-5 matchup. I thought that we didn't play our bench enough, give them a chance to develop. Same type of deal last year. And that's because I believe Nick Nurse is a championship coach. He's not really here to develop guys. I'm here to work with the top of the top and get them over the top, like he did for the Raptors. Even right now, what he's doing with Philadelphia. Now, we'll see where things end up for them, but, I mean, Philadelphia's looked pretty good since uh, trading James Harden away. I don't know, man. If, if we're really moving towards this whole development thing, then at this point, we gotta, we gotta get, we gotta unload our assets. Get some younger players on here that we can get excited about developing around Scotty Barnes, and it needs to be the right players. It can't just be a name for the name's sake. Can we please get something that's gonna fit with whatever Darko's trying to do? So that means the coach in the front office needs to be working together to understand exactly what they want to do and be operating on the same page so that they can bring in the right personnel that fits the system. It cannot just be name recognition. Pains me to say it, guys. 
pains me to say it. And I know some of you were right. Again, I have no problem being wrong. All I was saying previously was let's give this a chance. Let's give this a chance. When you look at the roster, they should be able to compete. But the, pe but the pieces are mismatched right now. And the coach doesn't know how to work with those mismatched pieces. Tell me this. If the Heat got rid of Eric Spolstra tomorrow, and Eric Spolstra came into Toronto and was coaching this team with this roster, you don't think we'd look a lot better than what we've looked? I think we would. Now, I know that that's a drastic thing. It's not fair to compare Darko Ryakovich, a first-time head coach in the NBA, and Eric Spolstra, who's like a two-, three-time champion in the NBA, and he's gone to many finals, and, you know, he has a resume. He's one of the best to ever do it, in my opinion. It's not fair to compare. But here's the thing. Eric Spolster was once just like the video room coordinator chopping up film for the Miami Heat before he came on to be a coach. So you can find the diamonds in the rough when you develop them. But we hired from outside. What do you know about Darko where you hired from outside? That means we didn't have anybody within our system that we were developing to one day be able to come to the bench and try to be, you know, something of the future when the opportunity came knocking. We weren't prepared. We weren't prepared for this coaching search. And I think that's possibly one of the reasons why we casted such a wide net on the coaching search. Because they had no clue. No clue. And when you have no clue, I'm not mad at that. You turn over every rock trying to find out who might be that diamond in the rough. But when you can hire from within, because the Raptors have had a history now with at least our players where we've been able to develop and elevate, right? We're now starting to see the last of that go out the door if we trade Pascal Siakam. There's nobody waiting in the wings. Yes, there's a Scotty Barnes, all right? But that's it. OG Anobi, solid piece. Solid piece. But I'm not sure we're a championship team with Scotty Barnes and OG Anobi as the two best players on it. I'm not even sure we're a playoff team with just both those players on it. Now, it also depends on who you get back in a trade for Pascal Siakam, hypothetically saying, right? Maybe you get some right pieces that just fit better in the offense. But we are not prepared for any of this. And again, like we've always been on the Maasai, we trust thing, and I still think we need to give them some time to figure it out. And maybe this is just a blip in the road as we travel through these choppy waters that are uncertainty in the NBA. But if you don't get things right within the next couple years, I mean, Larry Tannenbaum might be looking at y'all. Like, what's going on here? And it starts with 
it really started with the coaching search, to be honest with you. It really did. But if this turns out to be a dud, mm. So I've drawn the line in the, in the sand, folks. We need a we need a personnel shakeup, man. And I think Pascal's gonna be the player that's out the door. I think Pascal's gonna be the player that's out the door. And it's not for any fault of his own. I, I just don't think that Darko knows how to use both of these players. It's like he has a system, and this is his system, and that's all he knows what to do. Respectfully. Obviously, he's an NBA coach. He knows more basketball. He's forgotten more basketball than I'll ever know, probably. Right? I don't want to disrespect the man. But the good coaches know how to work with their personnel and make it work, yo. Make it work. Understand your personnel. Put them in the right position to be successful. And I don't believe that Darko's doing that. And I think that is the reason why we need to make a trade. You can call it a cop-out. You can call it whatever. I'm not. Yo, Pascal's struggling. Pascal is struggling from the floor. He's shooting. He's good around the basket. But I know he's better than that. And if you are being true with yourself too, you know Pascal's better than that. So I'm not really sure what the hell is going on here. But you're not going to fire the coach right now. You're risking... Pascal Siakam leaving for nothing. And the coach doesn't know how to fit these two major pieces together. So anyways, we got the Phoenix Suns coming up. We got the Phoenix Suns coming up. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What do we do? We take an L? Do we win? I think you got to go out and win the basketball game for sure. Right? At the end of the day, we are in a winning business. When I say we, I mean the Toronto Raptors NBA basketball. I know I'm not part of the organization. But, you know, and it's based on results. So even if you're able to get Pascal's jump shot going from mid-range and outside, maybe that's the right opportunity to trade him when his value is higher than what it's been so far to start the year. I'm not even sure it really takes it makes a difference in my opinion, but maybe it would for some that maybe want to trade for him. But nevertheless, man, go and get the W. Go and get the W. You do not want to fall too far behind where you can't even catch up to the other playing teams. And then all these other teams have you by the balls because, yo, they know that you know that you ain't going nowhere and that you need to make a trade. Versus you get things going with these guys and, you know, maybe you make a trade at that point. But it's a catch-22 at that point. So cut your losses. Cut your losses, man. The pieces aren't fitting because the coach doesn't know how to fit them together. My opinion. <sighs> Anyways, if you made it to the end of this video, I appreciate
appreciate you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. If you're not subscribed, please sub up, like, share, comment, man. Comment. Because I've driven, I, I've drawn the line in the sand. I've drawn the line in the sand. I've seen enough. And I don't believe that Darko Ryakovich can get these two guys going at the same time. I've been talking about this forever now. So it's not like it's a new conversation. I've just been, you know, positive Paul here trying to figure out if we're trying to put some faith in the coach that, yeah, you'll turn it around. But at this point, my faith is not there. Tell me what we should do, y'all. Let's, let's discuss it, man. Put it down in the comments. And again, if YouTube's not your thing, maybe you don't got the YouTube premium, you, you get the full thing on Spotify. I'm still working on getting it on other streaming platforms. I don't know what's going on with Apple. I've had to talk to Apple support a couple of times now, eh? But anyways, um, yeah, I think that's enough for me today, man. That's enough for me today. And yeah, Raptors, go get that W, man. So until next time, you know the flex. It's me, guy, and I'm out.